no matter who you are in the room, uh, we have a mission here at Saints Community Church, and that is that we're reaching imperfect people to follow a perfect Jesus. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Wayne, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Saints Community. I have to tell you that I am an imperfect person right along with the rest of you all. And how many of you, since the storm has happened, have found a little bit more imperfectness in your behavior? Come on, raise your hands. A little less patience, a little more trying, a little more intense with your family, all of those things. We're just glad you're here in the room with us. Well, I have to tell you before I dive into God's Word, I have to tell you uh, one story, and I want you to catch this story one time because this is the last time I'm going to tell the story, okay? Many of you uh, are going, why do you have a, a boot on your foot right now? And uh, I just have to tell you, here's the worst part about this story. The worst part about the story is it's not even a good story. It's really not a story at all. In fact, uh, about three weeks ago, the first day that, that I was doing some relief work, right, just a few days after the storm, I'd come back and uh, I was doing some relief work. And I thought to myself, I must have cheap shoes on because my right foot hurts really, really bad. So I, I changed shoes and, and put some nicer shoes on the next day to go out and do relief work. And the foot felt about the same. And then it progressively has gotten worse and worse and worse. And, uh, and so my wife, uh, when she came home, she said, hey, um, uh, I think you need to go see a doctor, to which I, I usually fight her on, but it was hurting bad enough that I was like, okay, I'll go see a doctor. So I went in a Friday, I had a doctor's appointment, and I expected him to say, hey, you've just got, you know, no big deal, blah, 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 and, you know, here's a couple, you know, pain uh, killers, you know, you'll be fine, just give it a week, uh, you can live life. But instead, he said, you've actually got uh, some real serious things going on uh, in your foot, and, uh, and then he said, let's talk about your history. He said, have you injured your foot at all? And I was like, no. He, he said, have you been doing relief work? I said, yes. He said, was there a moment? Did you drop something on it? Did you twist it wrong? Did, can you point to a moment where you might have injured it? I said, no, there's no moments like that. And, uh, and so he said, well, I think it is a serious case of tendonitis, and, uh, and, but we're going to have to do some MRIs and x-rays and all of that. And, uh, and I said, okay, I don't, I don't even really understand what that is. But uh, so he showed me what tendonitis was. And, uh, and then he said, so you're going to have to wear a boot on, on your foot. And I was like, I, I don't understand what you're telling me right now. And uh, he said, the nurse is going to bring it in. So the nurse brought this in. Uh, and I looked at the nurse and I said, do you have a smaller size? Is there, like, could, do we have to do this, you know? And and uh, she said, no, sir. And I said, how long do I have to wear this? He said, at least two weeks, uh, maybe longer. And if you, if you choose not to wear it, you will be wearing it when you come back to see me for a long time. And so that's the story. That's why I've got a boot on. Uh, I've got something going on on my foot. And I just want to just, prep, just end the story by saying, let's not talk about it anymore after service. Please don't ask me, uh, what's the story? There is no story. The story, oh, and I did say, how do you get tendonitis? He said, well, it's a mixture of two things. I said, what? He said, age and overuse. And I thought to myself, I said, Doc, I'm 46. He said, yes. What's your point? I, I, he said, yeah, you're, you're about that age where you're going to start getting these kind of things. And I, I said, overuse. I haven't run a marathon. Like, I, I haven't overused it. And he said, well, 
you've used it to the point where your age is feeling it. And I said, I don't don't like you at all. And uh, let's move on. Let's get to what God wants us to do here today. We're in week three of a series that we've entitled, How We Get Through What We're Going Through. And how many of you would raise your hand, be honest, and say, we're going through some stuff, and I'm going through some stuff. Come on, let me see your hands in the air. Wave them like you do care. Come on, yeah. We're going through some stuff. And this morning, I want to talk to you on a subject that uh, is near and dear to my heart. This may be a moment where you have a, a chance in church to be a little more honest, to be a little more transparent, to be a little more real. Unfortunately, church can be a place where we are so good at being fake, and we are so good at putting a game face on when we come in here. But how many of you think... This should be a place where we can be more honest than anywhere else in our lives, right? And so I want to talk to you this morning about when God feels far away. When God feels far away. Let's read Psalm chapter 13, verses 1 through 6. David is writing and he says, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul With sorrow in my heart every day. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me when God feels far away. Let's pray. Lord, I pray this morning that we would be able to have a moment in time where we capture how to walk through life when you feel distant, when you feel far, when we're wondering if you're even listening, if your ears are even in tune to our prayers. I pray that we would have a moment of transparency. I pray that your word would be greater than my words. And help me, Lord, to follow the doctor's and my wife's instructions of not walking around as I preach. In Jesus' name, everybody said? There's a famous question uh, that all of us have, have said, most of us as children have said, and now if you're a mom or dad, you've now heard the question. It's a question that you ask when you're in the car and you've got that 10-hour drive to that vacation spot, or it's a question that you're in the car and you heard from the back seat of the car with your children when you were evacuating. Let me just say, uh, let me just ask a question. How many of you had a trip that was way longer than it should have been when you evacuated the city? Raise your, raise your hands, okay? And uh, so, yeah. I did not, okay, we evacuated literally like hours before the storm hit. Man, we got right through uh, really quickly. I don't know if that was smart or stupid the way that we did it, but, uh, but many of you heard that cry, that question coming from the backseat of your car, or if you were maybe a student in the room, you were the one asking the question. I know that my wife had an 18-hour drive to come back from Minnesota, back to here uh, from the evacuation, and, uh, and man, she had 18 hours. 18 hours isn't like impossible, but it's next to near impossible when you have a three-year-old, hello? Like, they don't like 18-hour car trips. 
So my wife sent me several videos of that, that passageway just to remind me that she wasn't having a blast on her drive home. It's a question that as soon as I say it, you'll say, yeah, we've all asked that question. We've heard that question asked before. And the question is, Mom, Dad, how much, what's the question? Longer. How much longer are we going to be on the road? And, and the worst part about this question is that sometimes it can start within 15 minutes of when you've left. Hello? How much longer do we have, Mom? How much longer do we have, Dad? Dad, when are, when are we going to be there? How much longer? Now, some of you that are a little bit older in the room, you don't even understand this question right now because in our modern area, era, we have things like DVDs with headphones and iPads and, and phones that we can play games on and all of this stuff. And some of you remember like when it was just like where you were going, you were getting there on a horse and buggy. You know, I mean, it was... It was, a, it was a long ways, and you're going, man, why ask that question when you've got so many things to entertain you? But it's a question that human nature causes us to ask. How much longer is this going to take? It's a question also that David, who writes this psalm, is asking as well. Only he's not asking mom and dad, he's asking God. Let's read just the, 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 the times, just in the first two verses. Let's look at this. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? You see, the Bible is full of stories of men and women of God who have experienced this feeling of distance from God even when they're praying. We can read throughout God's word that, that throughout his word that in the Old Testament we have the, the Israelites being enslaved for hundreds of years going, God, how long are we going to be enslaved? We can read about women that were trying to have to trying to birth a baby and trying to get pregnant and, and they couldn't and they, they cry out with anguish in their soul, God, how long will you not hear my prayer to have a baby? We could read about economic crisis and the individuals in the Word of God that are crying out, how long are we going to be in this financial devastation? We can read about famines and physical agony that people had all throughout God's Word. And we can see this agony, this, this distinguishment in their soul where they're crying out to God and going, God, how long are you going to be silent? Are you going to not answer my prayers? This is a passage from a guy named David. Some of you in the room may know him as King David, or some of you may know him as David, the man after God's own heart. But when he writes this psalm, he's actually a young man, and he's crying out to God because he is right now, as he writes this psalm, most likely this psalm was written in, a, in the mountains when he's in hiding. He's literally running from his predecessor, King Saul. Why? Because Saul is trying to kill him. He's, he's struck with jealousy, and David is literally running for his life. He is fleeing for his life, and in these moments, he writes this psalm in this passage, and you can see in his pen, penmanship that he is describing the anguish that is going on in his heart. How many of you have ever had anguish in your heart? Hello? Come on. This anguish that he's, that he's got in his heart 
represents an anguish that all of us have faced and that many of you in the room, if you were honest and you were to drop the religious guard that you've got up in your life, if you were honest here today, it's an anguish that you have right now currently in your life where there's this anguish that, that it's beyond annoyance, it's beyond impatience, it's beyond like that little annoyance that you get when you're at a stoplight and it just won't turn green. Come on, how many of you, that's a hard part of your day? Okay, every day of my life, there's one light. I'm not even going to tell you where. It's just so anguishing for me. It's way beyond that. It's way beyond an anguishing if you're a clean person and your family, once again, did not recognize that you need cleanliness for your soul to be okay. Hello? It's an anguish that's way beyond your spouse did something. It's an anguish that is deep in your soul. It's an anguish that is way past annoying, way past impatient. It's an anguish that is found in the bottom, in the depths of your soul. And David is crying out, and if we're honest, we we are crying out, how long? Because David actually feels like he's been forgotten by God. It's a time where you move in your prayers from God, will you please move on my behalf? And you've moved from that point to God, do you even hear me? Hello? It's kind of like a, God, earth to God, are you up there? What's happening? Do you hear me? How many have ever had a season of your life where you wondered if God was even listening to you? Hello? Where you've changed times that you pray because you're like, maybe I'm praying too early. Maybe God's still sleeping. It's a time where you're asking God, why aren't you listening? It's like nothing is happening. I can't feel you. I can't hear you. There's no no answers taking place. God, how long are you going to forget about me? How long is this going to take place? A wise person once said this, my spiritual father, he said that we live in the valleys and we get to visit the mountaintops. I think that's a really wise statement. In other words... These seasons that we have are way longer and they happen way more frequently than any of us would allow ourselves to appear in church. Oh, you know church. Come on. We put our best clothes on. We put our game face on. Man, you were were fighting all the way here with your spouse. Your kids were yelling at each other, hitting each other in the back seat, you know, and Man, you, you had a hard time even getting here this morning, but you walk into church and, and there the greeter is at the front door and the greeter says, hello, how art thou? And you say, I am blessed, highly favored of the Lord. We're the head and not the tail. Hallelujah. God is so good. And I just want to go, come on, fool. I know you were fighting all the way here with your spouse. I know you're annoyed with your kids and you've thought about, you know, maybe renting them out for a few days to somebody. How long? I mean, come on, let's drop the guard. Let's drop the religion. Let's drop all of the looks and all of the churchy things that we put on when we come into the house of God. Let's just be honest and say we've all been through these seasons. I was in a season years ago in my life where for some reason God has allowed me to physically face quite a few things since we started Saints Community Church. 
And I was in a season where I was really, really sick. And I had been sick for about two and a half years. I had been on steroids, not the kind that make you strong. You can tell that didn't work, but the kind that, that, that you take because of your physical health. I was on prednisone for about two and a half years, and that led to surgeries and bouts of pneumonia and all of these times where I would lay in bed, and I had this one specific night. I can remember the details of it so well. I was running 104 fever that night again, and I had thrown up six or seven times. It was kind of par for the course of my life back in those days. My wife went to run an errand, and it's only happened to me a few times in my life, but, but this specific time, this, this night, when my wife walked out of the room, I was all by myself, I was laying in bed, and I, and I all of a sudden felt the presence of darkness come into the room. Have any of you ever had a moment where in one minute's time, the enemy whispers about a hundred lies into your ears? Come on. How many of you have ever had that kind of a moment? Like in one minute's time. The enemy was saying, you're going to die, you're going to leave your wife a widow, your kids are going to grow up without a father, the church is going to fail, you're going to miss God's calling on your life, you're never going to reach the city of New Orleans, everything is going to go, I mean, literally all of this is happening. And I remember that moment so well because I felt like God was nowhere to be found. I couldn't feel the presence of God. I couldn't hear the voice of God. I was hearing the voice of the enemy so strongly, and I remember this feeling, the sensation of God, where are you, and why did you leave me here to die? Why is this taking place? So here's the real question. What do we do when God feels far away? What do we do when God feels far away. I mean, after all, didn't he say things like, I'll never leave you nor forsake you and, you, you know, cast all your cares on me for I'm the God that cares for you and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Didn't he promise all of these things that he would never leave us, never forsake us, that he would walk with us? Did, didn't he promise, didn't he make all of these promises? So why in the world would he allow us to suffer and walk through these seasons where he feels so distant? And our prayers aren't being answered. This psalm was actually used by God's people back thousands of years ago. It was used by God's people when there was prolonged suffering that was going on. When, when people were ill for a long time. When there was a famine in the land. And, and if we read this closely, we can see that there's three keys. And I want you to write these keys down. Because if you're not in this season, you eventually will be back in this season where God feels distant and he feels far away. There's three keys that, that I want us to grasp here this morning as we walk out of this room. Because when God feels far away, the first thing that you've got to be willing to do is voice complaints honestly. Voice complaints, honestly. I just want to tell you something. Look this way. David, the king. David was a man after God's own heart. David, the powerful warrior. David, the one that from a young age had been prophesied that he was going to be God's man. David was all of these things, but I want to let you know something that maybe you've never really realized as you read through the book of Psalms, and he wrote many, in fact, most of the Psalms. I have to tell you, there's one more title that you can put on David. David, the professional whiner. 
This guy was not only good at compl- he was not only good at complaining, he was an incredible complainer. I mean, literally, you can read through his psalms and you can see he's an amazing complainer. Let's just read a few together. Psalm 64, verse 1. Hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. He went so far in this as to, he's not even trying to mask that he's complaining. He says, God, I'm going to go ahead and use the word. I'm complaining right now. I'm whining right now. Can I just tell you, if you're going to whine, if you're going to complain, if you're going to come into my office and whine and complain, go ahead and just say it. Hello? Let's just say it. Let's just say I'm, I'm whining right now. I'm complaining right now. David's just saying, hey, God, hear my complaint. Let's listen to another one. Psalm 152, verses 6 and 7. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Many of you treat your relationship with God like you're trying to perform for him. Hello? You, you talk to God and you, you, you have this reverence, which isn't, reverence isn't a bad thing, but I just have to tell you, you can't treat your relationship with God like it's a performance. You ever heard somebody change their entire vocabulary when they started praying? You ever ask that family member to lead in prayer before dinner and they go way too long? How many of you don't like that guy? Like, let's eat, dude. Wrap it up. Bless the grub. Rub-a-dub-dub. I don't know how that goes anyway. This is a... God, I'm, I'm coming in and I'm, I'm, I'm performing for you kind of relationship with God. It's a very religious kind of relationship with God. It, it has this tone of like, hallelujah. God, I beseech thee. It's King James Version God. It's thou art thine God, hallelujah. And I, I come into thy presence and I ask for thy sanctity and thy yeah, I can't even think of a word. It's a performance-based relationship with God. And it's performance-based prayers. And sometimes I think God looks down when we pray those types of prayers, and God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus sitting up there in the throne, and they look down in, in, from the throne room, and they're looking down at our prayers, and Jesus is looking at the Father, and God's looking at, the, at Jesus and the Holy Spirit and going, what'd they say? I don't understand what they're asking. I mean, is it me, or do you feel like he's trying to put on a show for us right now? Is it me, or does it feel like she's just trying to perform for us right now? Actually, your prayers may need to look more like this video. Watch this.
Yeah. What do you want me to do, God? I'm confused. I'm mad. Blow this pain out of me. He even said, I'm not going to even talk about the guy that's involved because he's a mutt. This is stuff that you don't say to anybody but God. Hello? It's real, genuine, honest prayers. Whatever's happening in your life, God wants to know about it, y'all. He wants to know the truth. Let me just give you a secret about God. He already knows. He's just waiting for you to actually talk to him about it. Just be honest with God. There are so many places that we have to put our game face on. We have to go to work and put our game face on. We have to go out in public and put our game face on. Sometimes, unfortunately, you feel like you got to put a game face on at church. But how many of you know there are moments if you're married and you close the door and you're at home with your spouse that you let down your hair and you say, okay, here's what's really going on in my life. Hello? That's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. Where you just blow it out, where you just say it, where you just say, God, this is what's going on. I don't know if you're messing with me. I don't know if the devil's messing with me, but I just need you to come into my life. You feel so far away. If you're here today and you go, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. I I don't even know how I feel about this church thing. Maybe you're here and uh, somebody brought you today or they promised you lunch or you heard there was pretty girls uh, at Saints Community Church. Sorry about that. And and, uh, just kidding. That was a really lame joke. Let's move on. Bad joke. There are amazingly beautiful people here in this room. I can't even get you to move on. Listen. Back to our point. If you're a guest here and you're you're not sure how you feel about God, here's what I want you to know. God's not looking to have religion with you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to talk to him. He wants an honest relationship where you talk to him and he talks to you and You're just completely honest. That's the first step. The second step that you've got to have when God feels far away is this. You've got to accept God's sovereignty. You've got to accept God's sovereignty. Sovereign just means independent. Everybody say independent. Sovereign means independent. I want you to look at these verses with me. Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Psalm 135, verse 6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and in all deeps. So whenever our, whatever our circumstances are, here's what you got to realize. God is in control. Hello? It's his world, y'all. He's the one that knows all the puzzle pieces and how to put them together and and how to put them together in a way that most of the time doesn't make any sense to us. But I just want to tell you that I think we're all going to get to heaven and there's going to be a lot of amazing things when we get to heaven. There's going to be some awesome things that happen and I can't tell you all of it, but I do think one of the things that's going to happen when we get to heaven is, I heard a friend of mine say it like this, that when we get to heaven, we're we're going to go, oh... That's why you did that. Oh, that's why she broke up with me. Hello? 
Oh, that's why I didn't get the job. Oh, I see what you were doing now. Now that I can look back on my life on earth, I can see what you were, I didn't understand it at the time, God. I had no clue what you were doing. I, I couldn't understand why you'd allow the pain, why you'd allow the hurt, why you'd allow the struggle. But I'm looking back and I'm going, everybody together? Oh. If you're a mom, you're a dad, you understand this. Do you understand that you have a bigger picture for your child's life than they do? That sometimes you have to, take away their temporary happiness so they can grow up to not be a brat? Right? It's because you've got a bigger picture. You understand the future. You understand what you're trying to accomplish in their life. You understand the perspective that they don't have yet. And friends, we are God's children, and you have to understand that he understands the big picture. And he's sovereign. He's independent from us, and he will do what he wants to do, and sometimes we just have to be willing to go, God, this is hard, but you're in charge. It's your world, God. I'm just living in it. It's, it's up to you. What do you want to do? What do you want to say? How do you want to move? And the third thing that we've got to do is not only voice complaints honestly, secondly, we've got to accept God's sovereignty, and then number three, we've got to trust God wholeheartedly. Trust God wholeheartedly. The most powerful part of this psalm that we read in Psalm 13 is right in the last two verses. I, I, I want you to hear this this morning, but I, I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. I want to tell you the path to maturity in your relationship with God. The path to maturity, the path to making it long term, the path to actually being faithful and not just being a flash in the pan type of believer, but to being here next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. The path to maturity, listen, listen, is learning how to trust God in the good times and trust Him in the hard times. Hello? That's the path to maturity. Sometimes when everything is going good, all of a sudden you see people and they just completely forget about the Lord. We don't see them in church. They drop out of small group. Why? Because everything is going good and the business is booming and things are happening and I got all these Instagram followers now and I'm making the money and I'm doing the deal and, and you know, I've got the, the, the family now and I've got the American dream and the two and a half, you know, children and the car and the dog and the house and, man, I'm just doing, I'm, everything is going good. And so they actually begin to trust in their own devices. Hello? Or the opposite of God, everything's going wrong. How could you let this happen to me? I thought all followers of Jesus walked on air and skipped on clouds and everything was easy. I don't understand why you're, where are you, God? I'm going to walk away. But the key to maturity, the path to maturity for your walk with Jesus is when it's going good, you say, God, I know it's not going good because of me. I ain't that good. I know it's going good because of your blessings. Hello? Because I'm trusting in you. And when it's going bad, you say, God, I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense to me. But I still trust you in the good 
and the bad. In the hard and when things are going perfect. We trust Him no matter what. When we walk into the house after the hurricane and we see the shingles missing, the roof, part of the roof that's gone, when we walk into the building and we see that this is a major overhaul that we're going to have to do, when the insurance company is literally on our last nerve, come on somebody, and we've made the 15 calls to them, and they're saying we're on the list, but you're saying put me higher on the list, God, I trust you. When the friend or the family member passes away and we find ourselves in a deep moment of grief and sorrow, God, I trust you. When we had no damage to our house and everything seems to be going right, the blessing of God seems to be on our life, God, I trust you. I know that's not going good because of me. God, in the good times and the bad times, I trust you. You are my rock. You are my fortress. The God in whom I trust. I trust you no matter what. In fact, let's say it, be on the screen. I want you just to say it. Right here, as we come to a close, say this, say, I will trust. Come on, say, I will trust no matter what. Come on, say it again. I will trust no matter what. Say it from the bottom of your heart. I will trust no matter what. Why can we trust God? How do we know beyond a shadow of a doubt We can trust him. Let me just say it to you like like this. I don't know, is is Jeremy here? Jeremy, my friend from Samaritan's Purse, is he in the room with us this morning? No, it's okay. Pastor Daniel, come on on stage for him. This is my friend, Pastor Daniel. He is our location pastor in Bell Chase. He gets to be with us this morning because the building in Bell Chase is being restored. Quite a long process ahead of us. I just have to tell you, I, I know Pastor Daniel. We've been together how many years now? Nine and a half years. And he still considers me a friend. <laughs> Thank you. If I sit in this chair... And where's Libby? Is Libby in the room? Come, come here, Libby. I'm going to let you do something you've always wanted to do. If I sit in this chair and, and Libby has a chance, come stand in front of me. She has a chance to just look at me. Yep. Libby has a chance to push her dad down. Okay. 
you have a chance, don't do it. She got really happy all of a sudden. She's smiling. She has a chance to literally push dad over. What's going to happen when she pushes me over? I'm going to fall, right? Are you, are you with me this morning? I'm going to fall. It's going to hurt. Bad things are in my future if that happens. I might not just have a hurt, injured foot. I might have even more than that. But now I'm going to ask Pastor Daniel to come stand behind me. Now, why did I ask Pastor Daniel? Well, here's why. I know his character. I can trust him, or at least I think I can trust him. I chose carefully because look this way. I don't know all y'all. Maybe you would have come up here, and if I would have asked you to stand behind me, you, you would have said, you know what would be really fun? Is I'm still mad that Pastor made that comment that he thought was funny, that I wasn't good looking, and I'm just going to let him fall. He deserves every fall he gets this morning. Or maybe you wanted to catch me, but maybe you're just not quite strong enough to catch me. I know that Pastor Daniel has the character and the strength. Catch this now. He has the character and the strength to catch me if and when I fall. I trust that he is going to catch me when I fall because of his character and because of his strength. I don't know if you're hearing me now. I trust that when I fall in just a moment, he's going to catch me because of his character and because of his strength. Let's try to prove it right. Go ahead. Go ahead, Libby. Okay? I trust that Pastor Daniel caught me. Thank you so much. I was never worried. I was never worried. You can be seated. I trust that he caught me. I could trust ahead of time before it ever took place, before the event happened, that he could catch me because of his character and because of his strength. I have to tell you something about God. I have to tell you that we can trust because of his character and because of his strength. He is my rock. He's our fortress. He's the strong one. We can trust in his character and in his strength. I can trust that his character is based on his love for me. I can trust that there is none stronger. There is no one mightier. There is no one better. I can trust that when I fall, when times are hard, when he feels far away, even when I can't feel him, I can trust that because of his character and because of his strength, he is always going to catch me even when I feel like he is so far away. I want you to listen to this passage. One of my favorite passages in the Bible, Romans 8, 35 through 39, doesn't mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ 
who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It doesn't matter what is happening. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Listen to me, church. He loves you. Even when he feels far away, he loves you. He loves you so much that he showed his character in, in John three sixteen, when he sent his only son to die on the cross for your sins. It showed who he was. For God so what? He loved. He so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He loves us. That's his character. This week in your small groups, I need you to remind each other that no matter what the circumstances are and no matter how distant God feels right now, he loves you. Every head bowed, every eye closed all across this place. Maybe you're here today and you've never come to the realization of how much God loves you. How much God cares for you. Maybe you're here and you'd say, man, I've known about religion. I've attended some church services. I, I went through catechism as a child. But I've never had, I, I've had religion, but I've never had a relationship with God. Through God's Son, Jesus, you can have that relationship. You can have it maybe for the first time in your life. Or maybe it's time for you to come back into relationship with God. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I want that relationship with God. I want to go past religion. I, I want a relationship with God where I know that nothing separates me from his love. I want to accept what he did for me on the cross and on the, in the resurrection so I can walk out of this room knowing that he and I are in right relationship. Maybe for the first time. Maybe you need to come back into relationship. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hands all across this room and say, that's me. Please include me in this prayer. You're about to say one, two, three. Lift up your hands right now. Lift up your hands. Thank you. Lift up your hands. Thank you. Who else in the room? Thank you. Yep. Anybody else? That's me, Pastor Wayne. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. I want that relationship with God. Thank you. Yep. I see your hand in the back. Thank you. Let's stand to our feet all across this room. Let's say this prayer with the three or four that raised their hands this morning to say yes to a relationship with him. Come on, let's say it together. Say, Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I want you to be my Savior. I thank you for your death and your resurrection and your perfect life that you live for me. I want a relationship with you. Take me past religion into relationship. I thank you for this new relationship. Help me to serve you for the rest of my life. Be my Lord, Savior, leader, boss, the center of my life.
until I see you face to face on that day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. How many of you thankful that God sent his only son to die on the cross and to raise from the dead so we could know him? Come on, y'all. Come on.